Today, or you're working from home, you may be wondering what day is it? It's feeling like a Friday for <laughs> sure. Wrong, wrong. It's Monday. Monday, Monday, Monday. Mondays suck. Back to work, everybody. Make that money, pay those bills, bills, bills. We're gonna need coffee. We're gonna need a coffee here. It's a really good way to start the show. What is that supposed to mean? It's showtime. <laughs> Everything's running smoothly. And this right here, it's your KC Mo. Baby, what is that good word? Kansas City. It's been a minute. Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. I enjoyed my summer vacation. Took a little KCMS summer vacay, and it was lovely. I was just as busy, but I really think that we found ourselves. Kansas City. I think we did it. Yeah, we did it. We nailed it. I feel like I chose the wrong couple weeks to go on vacation. A lot of news broke in the last couple weeks. Shout out to Kansas protecting reproductive freedom. That was what, August 2nd? 45 out here stealing the nuclear codes. I mean, what is going on? I tweeted this that day. I mean, men will do anything. We will steal the nuclear codes before we go to therapy. On the show today, as we are back in the swing of things, we're going to be talking to Harry Harold Kuntz, back on your KC Morning Show. He's a sports reporter for Fox 4 News, also an adjunct professor over at Avila. I really enjoyed our conversation. We always have a good time. Harold Kuntz, that man is good people, and he's very good at what he does. After that, we're going to wrap up that secret set that we have been playing all summer long. I found some audio that was gifted to me, by the way, for legal reasons. I should say that this was gifted to me. This is back from 2014. I won't say who it is, because again, legally, I'm not sure I can, but he is a jack of all trades. If he had stripes, I bet they'd be white. I know he's got new music out, but this was from the Arvis Bank Theater at the Midland over in 2014 when I was at 96.5 The Buzz. It's been like, what, eight years? Come on, you can't flag me for that. Rate, review, subscribe, do that thing you do. Kansas City, I love you, I missed you. We back, baby. My name's Hartzell. We'll see ya in the morning. Bye. Come on, Lenny. Pump it in there, baby. Just keep matriculating the ball down the field, boys. The KC Morning Show. Back on your KC Morning Show. I can't believe it's been this long. In fact, my man called me out. We ran into each other over at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, Harold and his wonderful wife. He said, hey, when are you going to get me back on the show? You know what? You're right. The time is now. Harold Kuntz, he is a sports anchor at Fox 4 Kansas City, adjunct professor over at Avila University, and also the president of the Kansas City Association of Black Journalists. He does it all, my man. Welcome back to the show, my brother. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's been, it's been too long. Man, you have been working. They say I'm busy. Everywhere I'm at, you there too. How are you juggling all this stuff? Well, first off, no one can compare to the work rate you have at <laughs> multiple events across the city. I mean, I, I recall listening to the radio station and you were like one of the top people that people named for like, oh yeah, he's always out and about around town. I, I feel like I'm around Kansas City royalty right now, just <laughs> talking to you. But no, it, it's been it's been good. It's been busy. Summer was 
really not so much of a summer um sadly didn't get out a heck of a lot but <laughs> it, it's been really a labor of love doing a lot of things that I, I i love to pursue and then i've been to five different places this year just because of work alone so that in itself has been pretty cool probably more if i'm not mistaken so it's been pretty cool it's been keeping you busy I and mean, that's the world of sports in kansas city the teams are so good they keep you busy that's been a godsend for me and for anybody else who does sports in this city and you know, we were joking off air. I mean, I consider you now, my brother, like a grizzled vet when it comes to Kansas City sports <laughs> reporting. You've been here for how long, man? Well, it, it's funny you mentioned the grizzled vet because in the TV <laughs> world, you know, our contracts are two, three years. And I've been here three and a half years. So that means I have worked a contract and then decided to renew for the time being here in Kansas City. So obviously, I've I, I loved the city. And my wife and I have uh, found some friends here. We enjoy it. We enjoy the, the, the landscape of the city. We enjoy the barbecue, obviously, and we're enjoying meeting people like you around town. So it's been good hanging around there. I don't know about grizzled veteran. I do have a little grizzle around the face there. There's still some people that have been around the block for a little while here. But, you know, in terms of just being around and, and being able to establish myself a little bit in the city. Yeah, I guess you could say I'm a, I'm a, I've been around the block a little bit. Where's home for you? I'm curious. Yeah. So my original home is Nashville, Tennessee. I try not to say that when the Titans play, even though I'm not even a, really a, a, a Titans fan. They didn't come till I was in ninth grade. Obviously, the first year they were there, it was a pretty successful year because they went to the Super Bowl. But it's weird now because a lot of those guys, are their kids are playing at the NFL now. I was watching a preseason game the other day. This son of a wide receiver for the Titans when I was growing up, he's playing for the Minnesota Vikings now. So not to date myself, but, you know, that's that's where we are now. Harold, and life comes at you fast, it, man. It does. I made a Boy Meets World reference the other day on stage, and I realized no that I just dated myself. <laughs> These folks don't know Topanga Lawrence. Gen Z, catch up. Ask your parents. Hey, look, TGIF. Oh, was Harold. a Friday night staple, man. Oh, Harold, I just got goosebumps. I, know, I, know, I was a Central Time guy, so Family Matters at 7. Boy Meets World came on at 7.30. I think you had a step-by-step at yes, 8. Yes, you sure did. Mr. Cooper at 8.30. Because Mama, see, Mama used to take me and my twin. She used to get her hair done on Fridays. So they put TGIF on the TV. We were good to go. They brought the fish dinners in around 7.15. Mm-hmm. I mean, we made a night out of it. And you got the fish with the bones still in it, oh, right? Oh, stop it. Stop it, man. <laughs> yeah. This is why I love you, brother. Harold, as you have been, you know, around the block, the mirror that sports is in this town with real life and what's going on, you know, how have you processed this moment that we're in you know like i think we can all admit that sports is different in this new era of whatever the new normal is how do you navigate those waters yeah that's a good question it's so different now i mean used to be i'd always hear stories of you know like the accessibility was a lot easier back then you know there was much more looser rules but now it's a little more restricted so you got to kind of work a little harder and sometimes pay a little more money to try to get what you want. And, you know, you got to really get out in the community and establish those relationships. Because at the end of the day, that's still what it's all about. It's getting out in the community, establishing those relationships. And then sometimes you luck up and get something that sometimes somebody else wouldn't get. Or sometimes it goes the other way around. So the core methods of getting out in the community, saying that, like, hey, I'm here for you. You're here for us. And you know, let's help each other out. That still exists, but there's sometimes there's some pain that goes with it. You can't get to everything. All of us have dealt with shortened staffs and it's been a a problem within the industry nationally and locally too. So we were trying to work around that, but that's why you see people that have to get around to everything every day and 
and, and do this and do that and wear multiple hats. So you kind of get used to it. You don't want to, but you kind of get used to it. But that's just the way our industry is gone. You just have to use those multiple hats and hope for the best. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But when you do get that one advantage, you take advantage of it and you ride with it. And, and that's what I've just really tried to do throughout my, my tenure year. I, I try to get to everything because we have that wonderful advantage. As I told you earlier, I mean, look at the Chiefs and look what they've done since I've been here. I mean, they've been the four straight ASU championships since I've been here. My first day was literally spring training in the Royals, but like, when I was moving in, that was the day the Chiefs, you know, lost to that Patriots in the AFC Championship game, which seems so long ago. And ever since then, they've had a streak of winning. They've gone to two Super Bowls. I mean, you're covering teams that matter to people that matter and the fans that matter. And that's the biggest thing. Fans matter and they love their sports here more than any other market I've been in. And I've been in some pretty rabid sports markets, but here it's it's very passionate. You can use the passion. They'll correct you when you're wrong. They'll praise you when you're right. And that's part of why you love it. You keep getting after it every day. Yeah. So what do you think what do you think the role of the sports reporter is now in 2022? This is something I don't think we're talking enough of. Local TV, local reporting, it is going the way of newspaper. We're losing folks, good folks left and right. And I think we probably need to have a louder conversation about that. We've got so many different mediums for you to reach folks on their level. So how do we make this thing work? What does that look like? You know, it, it's harder because there's a balance. Each individual, you know, especially the much younger ones that come into college, they always talk about brand and, 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 and building yeah. their brand. Yeah. And that's part of it. That's becoming more and more a thing. You got to build your brand. Now, how you build it is how you want to go across it. But really, it comes down to a couple of things. One, you have to make sure that when you are building that brand, you make sure that they know, hey, this is what I come to you for. You know, for me, obviously, it would be local Kansas City sports, but you have to come for a certain thing. Like, do you add video? Do you add reporting? Do you add written articles? You really got to do all of it to make sure that there's avenues for people to check your work out. And then in that case, check out the station's work. Because still, at the end of the day, they're still paying our paychecks. So it's yeah. good to make sure that the people who pay your paychecks are happy. But at the same time, you got to make yourself happy. You got to be fulfilled yourself. You got to put your name out there. So that's one thing. And another thing, too, is the six o'clock news, as we know it, I'll get like two, two and a half minutes at six o'clock and at nine o'clock and 10 o'clock. And the more and more you realize it, it's like I just posted on social media or whatever avenue, some online website, YouTube, and more people might watch it on that than they did in the actual newscast. So you just got to make sure you're putting everything out there. There's so many different avenues to put things out there. I mean, look, for your older generation, they kind of gravitate toward Facebook. For your not-so-older generation, they gravitate toward Instagram. For the younger than us generation, it's TikTok. I mean, we've got reporters now to have 100,000 followers on TikTok. That's just the way of the world. It's your name's out there. And then you read the research where it says that most people get their news from either Twitter or Instagram. Well, what are you going to put your news on? You're obviously going to put it on the website, but you've got to put it on different social media websites. And I think that's what I try to do and what many of us in this industry are trying to do even more of now is to be interactive and to be social, but to still have the journalistic qualities of being accurate, being fair, whether it hurts us or not to be fair. Sometimes you have to be fair because, you know, there's some stupid stuff that goes out there, but you still kind of have to be like, all right, here's what they said. You may not like it, but let's just get it out of the way. So that fine line of making sure that you stay fair and, and, and keep your, your own thoughts and beliefs out of it. But at the same time, if you're building that brand, make sure people know what you feel. Make sure people know that this is how I feel about certain topics. And I want you to know that I know you know I care. They see that. They see that back and forth. Even through social media, when they can't see a person, you know, individually, they can still feel that through social media. And I feel like that's that's something where 
you know, you try to thrive on and, and you try to not only build your own brand, but, you know, try to help your employer out as well. What sticks out to you that you've covered so far in KC? Well, first, uh, recently, uh, obviously, Buck O'Neill's induction to the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. I think that was a really cool trip. It was a really cool experience to go to Cooperstown and, and experience the, not only the National Baseball Hall of Fame and everything that's involved with it, but also just the work that people like Bob Kendrick and Keanu Sinks have done at the Negro League Baseball Museum and to see something that they've waited on for 14 years come to fruition. I think that was really cool. Obviously, he meant so much to the community. I never got the chance to meet him, but he meant so much. The name's still there. It, it resonates across the Kansas City area, and people know that name. Obviously, you're going to cross a bridge with that name. You're going to go to the museum, and you're going to see that name come up. Anybody who talks about him and met him here knows he was a kind gentleman and one of the great gentlemen of Kansas City, and he means so much to the sports history. His name's around baseball so much, and that was really cool to be part of history because, I mean, I'm a little bit of a history buff, a little bit. Not a great big, but I'm a little bit of a history buff, and I do feel that we need to revere the people that are in history that paved the way for so many people that play now. I think one of the biggest instances of that is you see Patrick Mahomes showing up in a Kansas City Monarchs jersey at the first day of camp earlier this year. He knows it's a big deal. He obviously comes from a baseball family from his father who played in and his godfather is Latroy Hawkins, who I got the pleasure to talk to up in Cooperstown too. So that was a big deal. That that stood out to me. But there's other things. I mean, everybody's going to point to, oh, well, you get to go to see the cheese play or you get to go to the playoff games or whatever. That's more of a day-to-day thing. One thing that stood out to me is I went to a Chiefs game, but then a kid got to meet Travis Kelsey before the game. He was dealing with cerebral palsy. And then you see him and his father get the paid trip from Kansas City to Nashville, coincidentally, for that game. And that's pretty cool. You get to see them on the field and you see the impact that players have on kids. Uh, Travis Kelsey, again, with his 87 running foundation. I think that's a good impact that he has on the community. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes and what he does with 15 of the Mahomes, another great impact to the community. Those are the things that you know they care about, and it's good that they are entrusting you to report on what they care about most. And I think that's what really is what it gets down to knowing the player, getting to know them, and knowing why they care so much about the community, which makes the community in turn care about them. You talked about building that brand. And I don't know if you've done this intentionally, but I appreciate what you've done. Through all your work, man, it's black excellence. And you've got this piece now on the HBCU significance to the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, these are stories that I'll say it. If you're not there, I don't know if people are covering this. I don't know if this story is told. In fact, it wasn't. That's why you're doing it now. Can you explain and break this down? Yeah, it was a real labor of love, really um, personal love. My mother's uh, suffered a stroke back in uh, September of last year, and she had been in and out of the hospital, and she's, she's doing better now. But when she was in the hospital, I was visiting with her. She went to Tennessee State. She's an HBCU alum. And she had mentioned she knew a couple of players from Tennessee State that played for the Chiefs. And she mentioned the names, and I, I was able to make a few phone calls and spot them. And after I taught them how to do FaceTime or Zooms, <laughs> we got some interviews done. It got me to thinking like how many of these stories have been told and with these guys getting up there in age, I mean, most of these guys are upper 60s, 70s, even 80s. I mean, we're seeing it now with, with Lynn Dawson going through what he's going through and my prayers and thoughts are out to his family as they're dealing with what they're dealing with. But we see these guys, they're getting up there in age and there's only so many opportunities to talk to these guys about memories. And I feel like the Chiefs were on the forefront of getting HBCU players, the Hunt family, Lamar Hunt, obviously, who's passed away. He was really on the forefront because at one point or another, they were in the AFL when they were the Dallas Texans before they moved to Kansas City and became what we know as the Chiefs. They had, you know, Abner Haynes, who was one of the first black players, period, to play in, in professional football. They were at the forefront of uh, drafting Buck Buchanan, the first ever 
number one overall draft pick in professional football. So it was really cool to catch up with a lot of guys from different eras, too. I spoke to Willie Lanier, who's from Morgan State University, but you realize it's not just Morgan State. They had nine guys that went to Grambling. They had 10 guys from Tennessee State that they drafted. They had guys from Bethune-Cookman that they drafted. We're seeing it now with Joshua Williams, who plays for the Chiefs, who went to Fayetteville State. Patrick Mahomes was involved in the inaugural HBCU Bowl. So there's always been a connection to historically black colleges and universities and the Kansas City Chiefs. And I wanted to explore that more. And again, I'm, I, I like to think of myself a little bit as a history buff. And we had a whole summer. So I was like, well, hey, how about we just spread this out over five parts? They said, okay. Or I, really, it was me. I'm not going to say anybody. That was me. <laughs> that was me, myself, and I, to quote De La Soul. And it was kind of a chore to put those together because those were pretty meaty. I mean, these weren't your average, you know, minute 10, minute 20 local news pieces. These were like five minutes and more pieces. One went eight and a half minutes long. And I explored so much into like how Otis Taylor who had his one hope for the Hall of Fame unfortunately didn't go his way he was not a finalist but how much of an impact he had on the Super Bowl and how you have people from Houston that remember him when he played at Prairie View basically saying like there's no Lynn Dawson in the Hall of Fame there's no Hank Stram in the Hall of Fame if you don't talk about guys like Otis Taylor who's a Prairie View A&M alum I mean that defense is one of the best defenses in Chiefs history and two of the guys that were the most prominent there were HBCU guys Buck Buchanan and Willie Lanier so there's such an impact and you dig deeper and deeper and deeper and then you realize how much of an impact these guys had on the franchise as a whole because if we're not talking about these guys we're not talking about the guys now let's just call a spade a spade because they set the standard for everybody to say hey not only do we need hbcu talent we need black talent in the league which is amazing to tell somebody nowadays that at one point that was not a thing and there's plenty of articles out there but i just felt my end there needed to be something documented from a local station that said, hey, we care, we know about history, and here it is for you to be presented before a lot of these guys pass along or we never get to hear from them again. I mean, I try to talk to some guys, and they're just not in the condition to speak. Guys like Jim Marcellus, you know, they were in condition to speak maybe a year, year and a half ago. They haven't been. Otis Taylor's been in the hospital for a long time dealing with a condition. His family visits him often. So, you know, we're losing our history sometimes if we don't talk to them and give them that kind of feel that touch that like, Hey, I'll talk to you. I want to have memories with you. And I want to share your memories to everybody. So they know that you can look back at the past and say, Hey, sometimes things are difficult now, but just imagine how difficult it was back then. And I think those stories were encapsulated in that five part series that I did. It is excellent. I'm going to insert a link in the show notes. So folks can check out all the parts of this series. It is worth your time. Some truly incredible stuff, man. I appreciate you for it. Before I let you go, though, tell me about what you got going on. KCABJ, Mr. President. You got anything going on? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, really excited about this week. We brought back the Youth Journalism Workshop, which was an intense one-week camp that had a little bit of a hiatus. Brought really back into the fold, KCABJ as a, as a program around town, the Kansas City Association of Black Journalists. It's a week long. We've got eight kids this year. We're hoping to expand it even more. Shout out to Glenn Rice of the Kansas City Star, who's really spearheaded this whole thing as a committee member. He's on the national committee, too. So we have a national committee arm from Kansas City, for the National Association of Black Journalists, which is always a good thing. I serve as president. I would be remiss if I didn't shout out some of the people on the e-board, like Jackson Kurtz of KNBC, who's vice president of the broadcast. Ray Daniel serves as our secretary, but also is very talented. And we'll be teaching some lessons, too, to the kids, along with Jackson and myself. We've got others that are taking part, too. It's a really cool week. It's at the Urban League, right there near 18th and Vine. And these kids get to learn from all of us what we know about journalism in a one-week period, and it's free. 
we're just hoping that it keeps growing and growing. And, you know, talking to the vice mayor of Kansas City like yourself, you know, you can get the word out there. You're going to get the word out there, I know for sure. And, 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 and we just hope to expand it next year. My, my hope is that we get these eight kids this year. And we got them from all different walks. We've got kids that are freshmen in high school. we got kids that are going to college. We've even got people that are trying to get into journalism as adults. We've got a great gamut of people, and I think they're really going to learn a lot. It's going to be a good base for them to take lessons out of. And again, they get to hear from all of us. And my goal is next year, hopefully, we're getting to the point where unfortunately having to reject some people because we've got so many apply. Because you know we only have so many resources, and, and me, as president, I've got to do a better job probably getting some people to donate some money into this so we have more resources too. So hopefully this is a good test run where we get this trial run going and we get all these kids motivated and it's right before school begins too. So it's a great opportunity for these kids. And it's a great opportunity for us to talk to kids about our experiences. Things like what I'm doing with you right now, Hartzell, telling you about everything that we do and how we're changing in a very fast paced media environment that changes almost by the second. So it's really good lessons to learn. And I'm really happy that we can bring this back to the community. Well, I need to sign up for the class. My God, self, what are you talking about? Yeah. Let me let me sign up. I need some help. Harold Coots, my brother, where can these folks find you on the internets? Plug them handles. Of course. Twitter, Instagram, Harold R. Coots, the number three. Pretty easy to find. I like to joke around and say I'm pretty much the only Harold Coots that's in journalism. One of the few Harold Coots is period. Pretty back and forth with people on social media. So if you ask me a question, I'm pretty sure I'll, I'll, I'll respond. So Harold R. Coots, three, Twitter. Instagram and Facebook, obviously my name. So you can spot me there. I'm even on TikTok, but don't expect me to dance. You provide the content that we came for. Let me see that jig on TikTok. Let me see that coon shuffle. Remember we're talking about the grizzle? Yeah, it's not <laughs> not doing too much for me anymore. <laughs> Man, that non-contact injury, brother. That's that's fatal for us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> When this bar meets world, bar meets world. When this bar meets world, bar meets world. I'll meet you down at the bus stop after school. But don't be late now. I never thought I would find someone who was so cool. You know it's it's gotta be. When this bar meets world, the bar meets world. When this bar meets world, bar meets world. Well, there's so much to think about.
school, ring the bell, brown the shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are only friends. I can tell that we are only friends. Walk with me, Susie Lee, through the park by the tree. We will rest upon the ground and look at all the bugs we found. Safely walk to school without a sound. Safely walk to school without a sound. Here we are, no one else. We walk to school all by ourselves. Let's turn on our uniforms from chasing all the ants and worms. We clean up and that's time to learn. We clean up and that's time to learn. Numbers, letters, learn to spell. Nouns and books, and show and tell. Playtime with the rolling ball and back to class. Through the hall, the teacher marks my head against the wall. Teacher marks my head against the wall. And we don't notice any time pass. And we don't notice anything. Come on. We sit side by side in every class. The teacher thinks that I sound funny, but she loves the way you sing tonight. I dream while I'm in bed. That thoughts going through my head With all the bugs in the alphabet And when I wake tomorrow I'll bet that you and I will walk together again Right now, yeah. <laughs> this is a song we did uh, a couple of records ago or so, a couple of years ago, and it's called Love Interruption. Somewhere like hell or up above, and I 
the KC Morning Show.